The MX Vice Show. All right, welcome everybody to episode 137 of the MX Vice Show. We have an action-packed show ready for you today as we look back on the MXGP Finland, plus chat about a bit of silly season and maybe even get onto some motocross of nations. But before I'm joined by the great man in Lorenzo Resta, the first part of the show is brought to you by Parts Europe. Parts Europe distributes spare parts and rider equipment for all motorbike segments in Europe. We support the sport tagline is fortified through the Thor and Moose House brands and their support of world elite MX riders like Landron, Prado, Langenfelder, Guadagnini, Jonas, Bogus, and nine-time world champion Thor ambassador Tony Cairoli. Your Parts Europe dealer has access to all the big brands for your motocross and enduro bike, Neckin, Pro Circuit, FMF, ODI, Cycra, Renthold, Recluse, and many, many, many more are in stock and ready to be shipped. Check out their website or contact your local Partier dealer with a dealer network of over 10,000 shops. We're sure there is one close to you. All right. Welcome, Lorenzo. How are you, mate? And thanks for joining us. Hi, mate. I'm very good. I'm very good as we are heading to a free weekend. Uh, finally, after three races in a row, there's a good news for everyone, for the riders, for the mechanics, for the truck drivers. And even for the journalists, uh, it's a fantastic news that we have finally one free weekend in August uh, to spend with our families, with our friends. And uh, I know there are plenty of people that are still working very hard because uh, for them, uh, there are no holiday in this moment. But for us, it's kind of breathtaking. So we can just, you know, like uh, rest a little bit after three completely different weekends three really interesting weekends different weathers like for example saturday was absolutely warm in locket uh, and saturday was absolutely raining in vanta so uh, we are going from one to the other side of europe uh, and we are going from one extreme to the other of the summer weather in europe but still, we are alive, we're here, we're happy to be here, of course. I'm really happy and proud to be uh, here on MX Vice Podcast and uh, still be free to say what uh, I think, what I know and uh, what I would like to say. Thanks, nah, mate, Ed. It's a pleasure. MX- Cheers for joining us. a pleasure to have you on as usual. And yeah, just get some thoughts on the track, mate, to start with, I guess. Uh, a lot of interesting opinions on it. Very narrow, hard to pass, obviously. But, you know, it made the riders sort of push those limits you saw with that outside section near the ram jump with the waves. Adamo, the guys were just squeezing the bike and twisting the throttle through there to get every single ounce of power. And even Fernandez in MXGP had some good lines going through there, mate. It was pretty cool, mate, for some good racing. Obviously, you had to really set up those passes like that. Adamo won many corners in advance, get the drive, and then close off the inside at the next one. But I reckon it made for some good racing, even though it maybe wasn't the best track. But, yeah, it sort of threw up a few pretty interesting results, didn't it? Absolutely, yes. It was... um, uh... Different track. Uh, you know, I, I didn't know so much about Vanta. I, I was learning through the weekend uh, a little bit, talking with people, talking with uh, colleagues, talking with real journalists. And I, I learned a lot about Vanta. Uh, the Vanta, our riders were, were um, uh, riding, wasn't the Vanta of the past. Wasn't the Vanta where uh, someone like Thorsten Allman uh, mythical name of motocross mr thor now today <laughs> uh one in uh, 63 
Uh, that wasn't even the Vanta where uh, Mr. Ten titles Stefan Evers, uh, as I 72, the legend, the might of uh, motocross, rode and won in 93. No, this Vanta is different. That Vanta doesn't exist anymore. Or, I mean, probably the ghost of that Vanta still exists under an airport track where the airplanes take off and landing every day because. Uh, This was the uh, destiny of that uh, motocross track, mythical motocross track. A new one was then built after this one uh, and was, again, destroyed to build a new one where we were this weekend. Is the new Vanta, the third one. Uh, it, it's, it's a nice track. I cannot say that that wasn't a nice track. Uh, a little bit boring, honestly, to take pictures and uh, to, to going around as it was really, really thin track, uh, uh, really short corners, uh, slow corners, uh, many times like almost 360, you know, like 180 every time and many corners that are just turning around. So what is quite difficult to make a pass, really, really um, thin track, where it's difficult to make different lines. Uh, the, also, the berms were really soft because the track is really hard pack. Absolutely, it is built on a on a mine. I think like uh, granite, you know, where 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 is a really hard soil, and they put a lot of sand on top. But the sand, after a while, goes by the side. So there are some big berms, but really soft. So they make uh, there's not so many places where to pass. Uh, not many places where think I will uh, try to to attack to pass my adversary and uh, and and that make the track quite difficult but I have to say that in the MX2 we saw fantastic races really exciting plenty of overtakings MXGP if I have to be honest it was quite boring uh, I was talking in the press room during the press conference with uh, Jorge with Fevre Uh, and with those riders that were on the top three during the whole weekend. And they said that, uh, yeah, when in front, it wasn't that easy to be faster than the others and make a gap, as they were always looking for the rider behind, trying to close the uh, the lines to those riders. And from behind, they were like saying, okay, yeah, the rider in front just was closing the the, the, the good lines, And it was not possible to, to find a place where to attack. So I had off for uh, Roman that in the first moto was able to just make those couple of passes that were enough to win the moto. Were enough. I mean, I don't want to discredit anybody, but you know, when you pass uh, Prado first and Jeremy then, and you get the lead, then it was one side quite easy to, to keep the lead. The other side, not so easy as you, you don't have to make any mistake because your your adversary was just nearby you. Uh, um, Prado was a little bit disappointed in the first moto, wasn't able to pass and even to attack uh, Jeremy, even if he was really close and he was feeling to be faster because he said it was too risky mm. uh, to go for other lines, to make something different. Uh, uh, Jeremy wasn't Uh, riding so clean, I mean, really correct, uh, not, uh, uh, but but really correct, but was just going a little bit uh, left and right with his bike, uh, with his rail tire. So for, for Orge, it was quite difficult to try uh, to attack. And second moto was the same with Roman following uh, Jorge. 
nobody was doing a conservative race, neither Prado or Roman, as they need both need to win. Uh, but if Prado can just, you know, can manage with this big advantage, uh, Roman needs really to attack. But it was just not possible. Uh, someone talked about 65cc uh, racetrack, <laughs> like the jumps and stuff like that. No big jumps, no. But uh, but on the other side, if you look at the mix two races, those were really interesting. And you can really make the difference in this condition. We saw in different uh moment of uh, the weekend we saw with this with, with Iago Iago was unbelievable fast on that track uh, like I was looking at the warm up two seconds faster than the second that was insane during the practice he was quite really really fast uh, but if I have to pick one rider of the weekend to me is Simon Simone Langenfelder yeah. who did an incredible ride for me is 10 out of 10 is uh, note for the weekend, even if it was just second at the end of uh, the event, but he was doing something unbelievable. In the second moto, he was recovering like a, a beast. He really wanted to win. He had this kind of fire, you know, and he was just studying a little bit and then passing, passing, passing. All the riders that were really fast in front of him, but he was the fastest. And if you look at him, his lap time in the second moto is a little bit slower than the top seven in MXGP, which is really not common for MX2 class. This says a lot of the track, says a lot of uh, how fast it was uh, Simon, and says a lot about the quality of the MX2 races, honestly. Yeah, he was on form, wasn't he? And you even saw Prado sort of praise him in the press conference that you, you know, gave us a recording of. And it was so impressive, like two seconds of lap faster during the race and just flying past guys, making them look easy. And James and I spoke to him yesterday and, yeah, we can't really put more praise on him since he's come back from injuries. He's got four straight podiums now. Just so calm, yeah. measured, level-headed. <laughs> nothing phases him. You know, he used that injury time. He, you know, even put a positive spin on that. He can sort of reset, recalibrate, and he didn't lose much fitness. And it's amazing what he was doing. And, yeah, I asked him about, you know, you were saying last week about the sand and he only had one session. And he was like, yeah, just one session. And it was pretty good. And we had a little chat about Cairoli and how fast he is still and how cool it is sort of being around him. And, you know, Matias yeah. probably going to be coming back in Turkey and he's going to be happy to get his training partner back because, you know, a lot of these other guys like Adamo and Prado have a Smets or, you know, Kai with Ruben, yeah. but he kind of just has the Dakali. So he sort of has that program. He's happy with it. He didn't really take kindly to James offering some line choices or some start tips like he did at the Nations for Matias when he swept around the outside. But no, he's a good, great kid, great for the sport, you know, just humble, polite, likes to have a laugh. Yeah. yeah, he was on rails on the weekend and it's hard not to see him picking up a couple of overall wins with, uh, you know, Andrea so far ahead and he should be, you know, he's definitely the fastest man on the weekend. Him and Andrea were pretty impressive. Obviously, Yago, tragic what happened to him, mate. But yeah, a little bit more for your thoughts on Simon and yeah, just how sad is it for Yago? just destined not to get this MX2 world title. It's just... Not going to play for me. Obviously, the crash was reminiscent of the Vial incident last year. It's you got to feel sorry for him, don't you? Absolutely. Uh, you know, when you said humble for Simon, uh, that's really the right word because Simon is humble. And I would just pair another word with humble humble and happy. Yeah. Simon is this. Simon is a happy boy, happy guy. He's having what he deserves a uh, factory ride. 
a nice girlfriend, uh, a really nice family. And he has, he has at the moment uh, everything what he needs and he's doing his job in a fantastic way. When you get injured so badly after you won a fantastic race like he did in Spain, it's not easy to come back and to again uh, put your head down and work a lot. And But Simon, uh, with this kind of character, really humble and at the same time grateful, happy about what he has, uh, it was probably a little bit easier for him than for other riders. Then I have to say that I have a, a, a big respect for all the riders that I had there, from the first to the last. Someone have his character, his kind of uh, uh, qualities that uh, I can appreciate more or less. But all the riders that are there, that compete every weekend, they're going on the start line and they're just... Uh, Every time they push their bikes, doesn't matter if your mechanic is keeping high your rear wheel or if you just push by yourself your bike on the gate, they all are going on on the gate and they know that uh, um, everyone is looking at them. The spectators on track, the spectators on TV, the ex-champions like Tony, like John van der Berg, like... Uh, the Carly, whoever, they all look at them. All doesn't matter if there are 15, 20, 40 riders, they all look at them. And they are always under judgment for what they do, how they ride, how many passion they put, how many effort they do. So it's not easy because yes, they do what they like, they do what they prefer, but it's always something that uh, every time is a test. Every time they go on track, it's a test. Every time they do something, is a test. And everyone is just judging from outside. I, my position is easy. I just take a couple of pictures, look at them, talk with them, and I write sometimes sentences that uh, would want never to be like uh, they're respectful. You know, I, I really uh, always want to uh, give them what they what they deserve, what they work for. But those guys are really like somehow my heroes they really put themselves with their bike uh in front of everyone and i almost naked in that moment where they perform so uh for what concerns simon uh, coming back on what you said it's great andrea was surprising me a lot because um uh, i think he surprised himself show. too <laughs> yes i think so i think so he was the happiest of course uh, and that's uh, doesn't want to be in any way uh, unrespectful for Iago, because uh, uh, what happened to Iago, as you said, is a drama, is uh, a disaster, is what you really don't want to see. Doesn't matter if you are a rival, if you are in the team, if you are just journalist uh, uh, around the track. You don't want to see this because we all know the, the potential of Iago, the speed of Iago, the determination of Iago, uh, how much he work, how much effort they all put from the team manager to the last mechanic, the truck driver and the rider himself. So ne nobody wants to see this. In an ideal world, the, the fastest, the strongest, the best will always win. But this is not an ideal world. Or if we have to say the truth, we have to say that the one who finish in front 
is the champion. Maybe he's not in every occasion the best, but he's the one that through 19 races was the best. I don't believe in just luck. I don't believe in unluck or bad luck. I just believe that the one that at the end of 19 races is the best is the champion. And this, just to come back on Iago history, is what happened, for example, a couple of times to his coach, that is Steve Ramon. Steve Ramon was a man who was able to win championship without winning a GP or winning just a few. But he was the most constant and uh, the most uh, regular rider that was able to avoid mistakes, to avoid injuries, and to do his job till the end. Of course, Iago cannot avoid that accident uh, uh, in the moment that happened because someone crashed in front of him, he landed on the bike, his bike landed on him, and that's something just, you know, just bad luck at that time. But you can avoid with a good start, for example. You can avoid uh, uh, picking a different line, a race and sport and motorsport are like that. Sometimes is an engine failure, sometimes is an injury, but we have 19 races. The championship is so long for a reason. And the reason is to pick at the end of the championship who was the best to manage with all the elements, injuries, uh, failures, uh, problem with the bike, crashes, good days, bad days, uh, sickness, whatever. At the moment, is Andrea. And what impressed me more is that Andrea, in the moment that Iago was crashing, he didn't know because he was behind him. So in that first and second lap, he didn't know that uh, Iago uh, had a, a, a crash and he was injured. And I was looking. I was just right nearby the pit lane. There was no signal for him to say Iago is out or whatever. And in the meantime, Andrea did probably one of the best performances of the year for himself just to grab the head of the race and be able to pull away to win that race what he did also in the second moto andrea didn't start first in the second in the first nader in the second moto he was just able to really go for the victory as he wanted of course without Iago, but with all the rest of the the pack and he was demonstrating that he was the fastest most constant he didn't make one mistake during all the weekend and it was the worst weekend for him because i saw it i feel it the atmosphere was okay that's my last red play probably yeah. uh after the moto uh the saturday after the warm-up there was a kind of but that was around andrea not andrea andrea was just doing his job knowing that he was there for the first time leading a championship in his career for the first time adding this kind of possibility he was saying okay we have just six races to go we were counting points but not in a kind of way to say oh i need to take one point more here one there and maybe no it was just saying i'm here if i'm here today i can be here tomorrow i will do my best to be there at the end of the series then we will see and that's the right way to approach to a kind of position like that and i really really love it and uh, i felt that andrea through the year when he had his first red plate then he lost it then he had another chance to get it then he was just able to manage and to grow and grow and grow again 
of course, helped by Michelle Smith, by Tony, by all the people around him, by these mechanics, by Harry, that is his chief technician, but all the people around him. But he was helped. But you can be helped from, from many persons, from many things to grow. But if you don't are not able to do it, uh, you will not. <laughs> I can have, I can tell you, I can have Tony Cairoli every day in my house, at my racetrack, and my training tracks, training facilities. I will never, never be nothing on the bike. You need to be someone. You need to be have a talent. You need to have a lot of things and to be able to convert words from the others into facts. And Andrea is doing it. So at the moment, uh, I think that Andrea is in the best place possible doing his work in the best way possible. Yeah, his improvement's been incredible. And, you know, he, he deserves a lot of credit as well as his team around him because he's just been so consistent, like you said, managed himself so well, hasn't gone above, you know, the limits when he's just rode within himself. And at the start of the season, he just wanted to pick up podiums just to be there and to get the experience. Yeah. There was nothing sort of too crazy. And obviously those expectations have elevated. And I've got some pretty cool stats for you, Lorenzo, from Paul Piercy, who does a brilliant job with them. And yeah, obviously you look at his average race finishes is 3.21. That's a that's super impressive. Everts is 5.9, for example. Simon, 4. It's hard to put Yago in there with the with crashes and so forth. But yeah. for context, and but his average first lap position for Andrea is 5.93 which is, you know, it shows that he can work through the pack and, you know, Benestad's yes. 4.77, Yago's 4.38, Simon 5.9. So that's impressive too that he just keeps, he's got the fitness, he's got the stamina, he's got the base, so he can keep working. And you'll probably uh, like the laps led one, mate. you got Yago on 188 laps led, Lucas Coonan on 76, Simon on 68, and then Adamo <laughs> on 54. So pretty amazing 54. that he's, <laughs> yeah, he's only led that many laps, but, you know, he gets the job done. He gets the podiums, he picks up the points, and then you got Benestant 41, DeWolf yeah. 28, Everts 27. And just for a bit of context, yeah. qualifying points with Yago missing, he still has the most on 92. Everts 90, Adamo 87, Simon 85, Benestant 75. So some pretty cool numbers there from Paul. I thought they were, you know, just sort of going through yes. it and making that list. That sort of a couple definitely strike out of the page, don't they? Absolutely. It's, um, you know, the numbers, uh, I always... Uh the kind of joke with Tony while he was uh, riding because I was the man of the numbers with him <laughs> always reminding statistics and numbers he don't know nothing <laughs> if you ask him oh you remember last year in Pala I said no I don't remember nothing so he has always someone around him remind him what he did and what not and uh, statistics and numbers uh, I'm a little bit passionate of numbers but just because you know it's numbers sometimes are really like saying the truth, you know, saying uh, uh, what what is happening on track. So you have to make a comparison. Of course, if you if you look at the numbers of victories, the number of moto victories, there's there's no game in between Iago and Andrea. Andrea won three motos and two were just the last weekend while Iago was out. Uh, Iago won like I don't know 10, 11 or even more motors before and he was injured he was out for a few races so uh, even the lap uh, the, the lap in the lead uh, like in 198 that should be Benistan number but uh, <laughs> it, it, it's impressive and says a lot uh, but still there is always uh, you know from outside it's easy sometimes to to 
look at the numbers and say, ah, but Iago, Iago deserves the title. Yeah, it's true. The speed and uh, the determination and um, the quality of riding at the moment is superior of many. And when he will move to a MIGGP in a few months, it will be a gain like this because Iago, it's a pure talent. We saw it last year in Red Bud riding the 450. was amazing. It was amazing. And it will be, again, amazing. But you have to finish the championship leading the championship with a red plate. Otherwise, there are good numbers, a lot of numbers. The statistics for him of number of victories and podiums compared to the number of races done is probably the best always or, or, or nearby the best always uh, close to, 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 to Jeffrey Ellings. I don't know now, but, but it's impressive. But in the meantime, uh, uh, those numbers, uh, if you don't uh, uh, transform it in titles, uh, remains numbers. When you are like Jeremy Sewer, five times second in the championship and you never won a championship, the day you will get retired, uh, I don't know if many will say, oh, Jeremy Sewer, yeah, he was five times second. Uh, they will talk about the guy who won the championship. They will talk about five titles for Tim, five titles for uh, Jeffrey, or nine for Tony, or ten for Stefan. Uh, it's unfair somewhere because uh, Jeremy is a fantastic rider, as Iago is. But at the end, you, you need to transform those incre this incredible potential in something else. One time is bad luck, another time is... But don't forget that Finland for uh, Iago was a disaster also last year. And he didn't get injury, but he got under pressure. He was probably cracking under pressure. And on a track that was for him probably the best track he could have because Ivinka is even better than, uh, than Vanta. Uh, it was probably the turning point of the season where he lost the, cha the, the title fight uh, with uh, Tom that was uh, approaching the race in a different way. So uh, those moments uh, says a lot about uh, about the riders, the personality, the team, the people around and everything. So I really hope that uh, Iago can come back. The championship needs uh, a title contender more and needs that all the riders are there. So I hope that is just a collarbone and... Uh, if he's just a collarbone, a couple of weeks are okay. He could be even back in Udevalla. We don't know at the moment. We don't know if it, there is another play that is banned, like um, many were saying. They only know what, what is happening, and they only know what will be the, the future of this season for uh, for Iago. But uh, in this moment, uh, 60 points more for uh, Andrea are given to Andrea because he did all the races and he was all time there fighting for the podium, fighting for a top place. Yeah, it was impressive effort by Andamo. To, you know, a lot of these guys we've been talking about it, you know, it's sort of like a last man standing, but you got to take the opportunity and seize it because, you know, you never know when it's going to come again. And he's done it perfectly and he's got through the weekends and done what he's had to do. And he's it's like the mindset of him is very impressive. It's like a cold-blooded sort of killer mindset that he just does. <laughs> The racing, he's like a really good Sunday man, as they say in the road racing, isn't he? Yeah. He just knows when to turn it on. But off the track, you know, yeah. he's, he's kind of like Simon. He's, you know, he does his work behind the shadows, not so much noise, not so much crap, just head down and, you know, the result of proving it, mate. So, but yeah, another guy I'd like to get your thoughts on was Liam Everts. I was interesting to hear that press conference. Hey, he was quite spiky when you asked him about the team orders 
Uh, that was a thing that <laughs> I spoke to Elzinger last week and I asked him about that with Yago and it's interesting how those tables turn. But yeah, they're both not really seeming to be into that and he was definitely not keen, but it, it was an interesting <laughs> weekend for him. He, he didn't really feel comfortable all weekend, did he? And in that second yeah. mode, especially and just in defense mode and which is kind of a good learning experience for him too, to, to be attacked all the time and to sort of, you know, fight really hard to keep his position. And it would have been an interesting one that he'd probably come away learning quite a lot from, you know, you think about those Prado hurlings battles at say Tushintar when, you know, that's a masterclass in defending your position. So he did pretty well, mate. So I guess another solid weekend for him. So he can't really complain too much. No, no, absolutely. It's uh, uh, talking about those kind of team orders. My question was, uh, of course, a little bit like a provocation, you know, just to <laughs> feel what is the atmosphere. And I get the right answer uh, at that time because uh, it was uh, so surprised that it was al almost like saying, what? Sorry, I didn't understand the question. <laughs> because uh, for him, it was. And, and then you understand how far away those team orders are from the philosophy of the team and of the riders. Motocross is still a little bit different than other sports, uh, Formula One, maybe MotoGP, they will already think about because when you are five races to the end uh, with already 14 uh, on your shoulder, they said in the answer, um, Liam said, oh, it's not the moment, it's not the moment, yeah, but the moment <laughs> is close because you did already three quarters of the championship and so it's um, it's probably the moment to think about uh, things like that. But this says a lot about how fair can be this sport, how difficult can be in this sport also make something for your teammate. Uh, because first of all, you have to put yourself in a, the right position to, to help him. Otherwise, uh, you will not do anything for him. Uh, so I, I love the, the the answer of uh, of Liam. I love the, the fact that everyone is going at the moment for his target uh, uh, that is winning or doing podium. So uh, the position, don't forget that Liam is third at the moment in the championship. Uh, what is probably unexpected from more at the beginning of the season or before the beginning of the season. Uh, they have two out of three riders in the top three. Uh, a five race to the end. I remember when we were talking about the KTM factory MX2 team. Mostly they were just they were laughing, honestly, saying, "Oh, that's just a B plan, C plan, D plan." Even they don't have any riders, so they are taking the less expensive because all the budget is going for MotoGP. That was the common opinion. 12 months ago, 10 months ago, 9 months ago. Now, many have to reconsider their opinion. The power... Uh, when, when I started this job, uh, everyone was looking at the KTM bikes uh, like uh, creepy and uh, ugly and bikes that were broken so easily, okay? Uh, really powerful, probably, but they were broken, breaking every time uh, for, for some reason. So it was, uh, they were a nightmare. Then they start to build up the best MX2. I'm just talking about the MX2 because MX GP MX1 was a bit different. But MX2 bikes, the best MX2 bike, more powerful MX2 bikes ever done. And the common opinion was it's so easy. You need just to get a factory ride in KTM and you will succeed. It's not really like that. And now 
when last year everyone was complaining about those bikes. Don't forget the last year. Everyone said, oh, the 2023 bike is so bad. The power is not there. The deliver of the power is not there. The chassis is not good. We are changing. We are coming back. We need 2022 bike. And they succeed with Vial. And the year before, they succeed with Vial. And this year, they are one and three in the championship with that bad bike, so bad bike, uh, probably disaster uh, project and uh, uh, just a failure. And they are first and, and third in the championship. So the work is not only on the bike, on the engine. It's not one horsepower to make the difference. Is the program, is the project, is the team, is the group. Everyone is doing his job in the right way, in the right moment, in the right uh, everything. And they are building up new champions for the future. I'm looking around to find one person that last year told me, I will bet one euro that Andrea or Liam or Sasha will do well in the next championship. Not win a championship. That was nobody. Yeah. But just one people will say, oh, they will do well. Andrea is a very good rider. He will succeed with, uh, with KTM. Nobody. They all were looking at, of course, Iago, Beniston, Lagenfelder, Kai de Wolf, and Rovan de Mosdijk. So uh, I have to say that when they do a choice in Mati Goffen, it's not just because uh, they throw the dice and they just, okay, number 80. Okay, we keep we take number 80 because the dice said number 80. No, no. It's a, there is a job, there is a, a well done job behind. You cannot succeed every year, but it's amazing to see how, how they are doing uh, till now. Yeah, I think there was even sort of murmurings with the Red Bull KTM team even get a podium, yes. like out of those three yes. riders between them, you know, like that just shows uh, yeah. how the script has flipped, mate. And just touch on Sasha as well. I'd love to get your thoughts on him, mate. <laughs> Obviously, his starts, he's excellent at those. And the qualifying race, he, he showed what he can sort of do. But yeah, he's a feisty little character, mate. You know, he's pushing as hard as he can. <laughs> he's, got that, he's got that chip on his shoulder, doesn't he, mate? He just wants to succeed now. He doesn't want to wait. I know Tony... Yeah. Has- the crew were trying to just tell him to be patient and relax. But when he was racing, some <laughs> of those moments he had where he's like barely hanging onto the bike and slipping sideways underneath him. He's definitely yeah. living up to the pocket rocket tag, but he's starting to get there, isn't he, mate? There's definitely some good shoots that, you know, he might even be able to get a moto podium by season's end. Mate, can you imagine uh, you had uh, you were racing, you were a racer doing the world championship with your twin in another team on the same approximately same bike and your twin already won a GP won few motos uh, won uh, qualifying races and he's so far in the championship and you are just there like okay no no problem he's better than me no way that's not possible for Sasha Sasha is pocket rocket is uh, too small is too little at the moment he has to wait and to eat as much as pasta as possible to just put some uh, kilos on and uh, but look at the growth he had in the last two, three races. is impressive. Every time he can be in front, he's in front. Every time he can fight with someone, doesn't matter if he's his twin or yeah. one of uh, the, 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 the adversaries, he will do 100% to, to fight back. And I will not be surprised if before the end of the season, we see an orange podium, a complete orange podium, this can happen because Sasha is growing very well. 
Liam is since a couple of races, I mean, more than a couple, uh, always around the podium. Andrea is doing his job in a perfect way. And he is now in the position where he can even probably manage a little bit uh, with race results. Uh, so uh, I think that uh, they are in a really good position. Sasha is proving that he deserves all the uh, trust that they put in himself uh, in KTM. Uh, it's just a question of, it's a physical question for him, just really to, to be a little bit more strong and not to work more because he's working like hell. Tony is desperate because those kids are just uh, escaping uh, every minute uh, uh, that they are at home uh, to just go running the bike, uh, riding the bike, uh, doesn't matter, pit bike, uh, uh, motorbike, whatever they can ride, they ride. And they are just desperately trying to to say, no, no, stop, stop for today. It's okay. They, they ride sometime for five hours a day with the pit, pit bikes because they want, they want, they want. This is the only way you can make the difference. You really need to want as badly as possible. And of course, to have a lot of talent, a ride bike, whatever. But if you don't really live for the bike, for the motorbike, for the motocross, it's difficult then to succeed. Those two kids are impressive in any way. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, to talk on Lucas, you were saying on the podium, you know, it's in Lommel, it's not good enough. Uh, you know, I should be on the top <laughs> step. I'm, he's yeah. only 16. It's crazy that the attitude that he has and the approach that he's like, I'm the kind of the fastest guy. And he, he sort of has been the fastest guy for large chunks of this season. Obviously, once he gets those starts dialed consistently and avoids that drama, which he had so often at the start of the year, it's he's so impressive. And yeah. on the weekend, he was the only Nestan guy, which is, you know, not a good thing to having his two teammates out. But, you know, he did another good ride mate he was working so hard to make those passes on that track you can see he was just really pushing to do everything hanging <laughs> on the bike but yeah another good weekend for him wasn't it even though you know that he's not happy with it yeah i think he was trying really everything in a second moto to just pass uh, uh liam he was pushing everywhere trying to do whatever but there was a difference in between the ride of Simon and the ride of all the others. Simon was then able to to pass everyone, and the uh, qualifying race too. Yes, and the qualifying race too. I was joking with him because he said in the press conference that uh, I did the same with sixty five every time I was crashing at the beginning. <laughs> then I asked him, "So how many titles did you won with sixty five? And he was like surprised, saying, oh, I don't remember. That was Dutch championship. I mean, Deutsch, German championship. So I don't, I don't know. I said, yeah, so you, what do you need now to crash every time in the beginning of the moto just to succeed? And he was just laughing to say, I don't know, there is something in me when I crash at the beginning that uh, give me an extra boost. Uh, uh, he needs to, to find this with a good start. And then he will succeed, of course, because... The speed is there. Uh, everyone was expecting probably himself first something more from this season because when you finish your first season in a factory team, third overall, uh, winning the first moto, the first moto, the second moto, and the, the first qualifying of the season in Matale Basin, um, you expect a lot for the next for the incoming season. And he was expecting to fight for the title, that's for sure. Him and the team, and Gas Gas, and everyone in Austria. He wasn't able at the beginning of the season. Something was uh, just uh, breaking him a little bit. Uh, uh, there was something wrong. Then once he was ready, it was late 
to fight for the title, but then he was injured, so it was even worse. But I think that this can be a right preparation for next season. Yeah. But in next season, some of the good uh, uh, new riders of 2023, there will be some of the worst opponents for him in 2024, like the Luke, the, the Conan brothers, like the Wolf, like riders like that. But I think he's uh, year per year growing and uh, showing that he really can uh, manage uh, the pressure of a fight, the pressure of a title fight, the pressure of uh, many things. And uh, it's getting, getting used to this podium. What uh, It's really important uh, because when, uh, w- when you are uh, a beginner or uh, just a, a new rider in the field, it's difficult to to manage with this feeling, with the podium, with the first places, with uh, those top three, four, five, uh, also in the standing. So you see yourself uh, so high, sometimes uh, the vertigo is uh, is there. And you see, oh, wow. You, it can be like, uh, okay, I'm done. I did what I wanted to do. I succeed already. And uh, you you stop doing it in the right way. Or on the other hand, you're scared to be there because you feel the responsibility to be so high. And then there is it's a completely different uh, uh, kind of uh, feeling. And uh, and but, but the result at the end is the same. Uh, you just give up a little bit and you don't succeed anymore. So I think that for Simon, this year is crucial for the future. And it's just uh, he, he was probably needing this to, to grow and to find another level, another step uh, where he, he feels confident with himself that he can fight on another level, if even without winning, like it was in Finland. Yeah, it's interesting because he was saying yesterday, you know, obviously that win probably raised expectations in Madley Basin last year. He was mentioning he'd never gotten a top five overall before that. So, you yeah. know, the same <laughs> with him, maybe it came too soon and then it raised the bar. And same with Andrea's podium last year, maybe <laughs> that raised the bar too soon. But now they're sort of showing their really true level. And with the MX2 class being so absolutely stacked, full of talent, it's hard not to think back to how good it would have been to have Rene Hoffer with us, wouldn't it, mate? Because obviously I've spoken to Marcel Stauper, who was great mates, great mates with his family. And, you know, it's obviously still yeah. really affects him. And it's such a tragedy that we don't have him out there, isn't it? Because he was destined for probably to be fighting for these world titles and probably even win one. He's that good, wasn't he? Yeah, I think so, honestly. Uh, as I said, that's, I mean, it was a dream for the KTM group, for the Austrian factory, to have one Austrian rider uh, fighting for the title. Uh, I remember the day Narco di Trento was on the top of the podium. For them, was something like really... And not only for the rider, because the rider was feeling that he was carrying on his shoulder uh, something bigger than his personal career, than his personal su- success. He was feeling probably that he, he had on his shoulder something really big I can compare this only uh, with uh, Matthias Wolkner uh, winning uh, the Paris Dakar the Dakar rally because uh, uh, Matthias I so I know him uh, while he was riding uh, uh, motocross he was riding uh, mix three so I remember him uh, and he, he was never the fastest rider uh, but he found his way on the rally and he was carrying on his shoulder this kind of weight uh, to succeed as an Austrian on an Austrian bike. 
and for René, it was a little bit the same. Uh, I didn't knew him so well, even if the situation where uh, was a rider ready to win. I know his father a little bit, his sister, his family, uh, but all the contenders on the field in Arco di Trento, and it was the destiny was to fight for a title. Winning then is different, of course, but uh, uh, everyone was expecting uh, him uh, as uh, to be uh, the leading man of the team once uh, Tom uh, uh, will have uh, left for America, you know. So it was like really everyone was just waiting. Uh, okay, is the moment. Uh, and a tragedy like this one uh, just uh, uh, will put down everyone in this. Tom, uh, we were saying already this at the beginning of the season, was doing something incredible because the way to be the only rider uh, without Jeffrey, without René, with this tragedy that was in every detail uh, on the graphic of the bike, uh, on the passes, uh, on every time, even the, the bike of René was there a few times, the family, the sister, the father. So it was really tough for everyone. And uh, the best way we can have to 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 remember him is to, to remember his smile and to remember the fact that uh, um, is not in, in in the fact that you won or not uh, a title uh, that you will be uh, reminded uh, forever. Uh, you'll be reminded for what you did uh, till you were there. And uh, and I think that nobody will forget uh, René in KTM uh, uh, till KTM will compete in uh, in motocross. Yeah, well said, mate. Yeah, it's just a tragedy. And yeah, we certainly still send our thoughts to everyone that knew him and his family, especially. So yeah, yeah just to close out the MX2 chat, it's been a long one, mate. But uh, yeah, must give some respect to Oliver. He's been really good in the last two rounds in the sand. <laughs> obviously, he mentioned on the studio show that he's obviously been doing a lot of work in the sand with his WZKTM team. And two eighth overalls <laughs> in the last two rounds, six nine in Finland, eight ten in Lommel. Very impressive, mate. And he gets those starts so often, too, to put him in a good position. And, you know, maybe he drops back a little bit, but not as much as he has in the past. So impressive there. And Borgmo, just consistent again as he looks for that MXGP ride for next year. And a couple of shout-outs to Jan Pansar and Talvico because they're, you know, pretty impressive getting top 10s in those conditions. Top 10. Good on them. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, uh, for what concerned uh, Oliver Oriol, uh, for me, was the unexpected as a... Uh... Of course, uh, we, we saw during the season some good performance, but I wasn't uh, expecting him to be there in the uh, top eight, uh, probably at the end of uh, the race overall, uh, uh, in a really, really good way. And he was, uh, uh, he was performing well. I have a couple of shots of him uh, in the cornering pretty well in the sand. Uh, and he, he was quite impressive. Uh, in uh, uh, I, I do something on Motosprint and I mention it him, of course, because it was surprising uh, everyone. He's doing pretty well, his best season uh, so far. And uh, someone that can fight for the top 10 uh, uh, even more uh, than in just one uh, one occasion. You can see really the work uh, he did on the sand, but not only because this track was really particular, really different from a classical sand track. So well done for him. Uh, for what concern, Orgmo was a good, uh, again doing a good race. I have a problem in this year with FNH bikes and riders. Uh, to me, they look a little bit like I don't know transparent or, or I don't. I I really uh, have a problem to focus on them. Maybe it's the lack of green on the bike 
maybe it's, I don't know, there is something that at the end of the, the race, I look at the results and I say, oh yeah, oh, they're there, oh, they're doing well. But there is something that uh, during the race, uh, uh, my focus is not going uh, often on them. Uh, it's my problem and percent is not their fault. Uh, but but yeah, there is something. Again, it's a good race. Uh, again, on a race like that, I could expect a little bit more from him because uh, it's it's a really good rider on those kind of tracks. We'll see Udevalla, what is a kind of familiar track for him and, uh, and a track where he can succeed. I remember a really good fight in between him, uh, Berto Forato and Rohan van der Mosdijk the year that Rohan won the championship, the title in EMX 250. Uh, to, to me, it seems that it was a little bit a different orgomo, but probably, again, I'm wrong and it's my impression. I hope that we will see a really good race from him in uh, in Udavalla. Yeah, well said. Just before we, yeah, we'll just touch on the MXGP now, mate, and just a couple of numbers and I'll let you go from there. But yeah, qualifying points, Prado 118, Fevre 97, Fernandez 88, <laughs> Jeremy 87, Koldinov only 67. And then obviously the laps led, mate, 167 for Prado. Obviously most of them coming in the first moto. Fevre 134 and then you go down to Hurling's 50, Jeremy 46, Fernandez 36, and Koldinov 35. So pretty amazing stuff, mate. And you, you really get a sense of Prado when his first lap position is 2.35. And then you go Fevra 4.61, Fernandez 5.21. And wait for it, mate. Imagine if we have Ferrato. He needs to be better than 11.32. And that same with Evans, 12.75. If those guys can bump that up a bit, they could be really fighting for it, couldn't they? It's just putting yourself in that position like Prado does. And it makes such a big difference, doesn't it? Yeah, um, I had a few considerations on these races because it's always really interesting. Uh, you you give us some numbers that are really interesting and I will give uh, some other that are uh, interesting too because five races, five victories for Fevre. That's a huge amount of victories. Uh, to me, it's difficult to remind uh, a championship where a rider win five races in a row and he's not leading the championship. We can, you know, of course, uh, uh, take care. Uh, I, I would not, don't want to say just stupid things, but uh, someone that is not leading the championship and even almost not fighting for the title is second in the in in the, the standings. And if something happened, he, he, he is the first one, okay, to be there to fight for the title. That's for sure. But he's 100 points far away and he's winning five races in a row. But in five races, his gap from the lead passed from 106 to 98. Eight points. It's insane. It's insane. And when someone, uh, I was not fighting, but I was having argument, argue with, with someone uh, this weekend, really hard. That says, oh, Jorge, easy with this amount of points. He's uh, just managing. I'm just managing. He won two out of three motos. It's not just managing. In the first moto, he was there fighting for the second place and maybe for the first, he could pass uh, Jeremy, but he was there. In the second moto, he was starting in front and uh, keeping the lead in front of his uh, uh, first rival for the whole moto. Saturday was winning uh, his ninth qualifying race out of 14. 
the only one uh, uh, with uh, probably Fernandez uh, who score points at every qualifying moto, if I'm not completely wrong. And uh, uh, the only one who was on the podium at every race, uh, apart of uh, Spain, we say this at every every podcast, uh, while he was the same point, equal points with uh, Fernandez, but on the podium because he had the red plate. Okay, so... And uh, Ken Holshot too, level with Sewa Prado's on top of that too. Yeah, what in past, uh, in the previous seasons, it was always a big gap in between Jorge first and the other behind. So it's not even the fact that he starts always in front and he's able to to lead all the motos and at the beginning of the season we saw a rider that was able to win qualifying race and first moto only then sixth fifth now he start winning the second moto like he did in Lom, like he did in in finland so it's not only a way to ride and i'm pretty sure that if he could start first in the first moto in uh, in vanta he was the man to win everything and to do 60 points because it wasn't easy to pass just for this reason then he was there for the lead fighting for the lead in the first moto but in the first lap Roman had something more and he passed because um, Jorge was second uh, behind uh, Jeremy he could not fight the good lines and uh, and Roman was really good and able to pass him but if uh, Jorge was starting first uh, at the first moto he could even uh, finish first the first moto and uh, close the the finish champion for the finish uh, race with three wins so his ride is absolutely not conservative when they told me ah he's conservative he's managing his gap is not true uh Org at the moment is going he's attacking he's going for the victories every time that he can he want a good gate saturday was so scared to don't do a good start with that weather that you cannot even imagine the effort he put in his mind to just start in front and try to be, you know, there fighting for the victory since the first corner, because for him it was really important. And uh, he's doing his job, he's doing in a very good way, like Roman is doing. I was asking Roman if it's not frustrating to be just first, 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 and then the gap is still the same. And he said, yes. You're right, it's frustrating because winning a GP is a fantastic feeling. But when you cannot go for the title, it's not good as uh, winning the race. Uh, so there is always something that is a little bit frustrating and I can feel it. Uh, Roman is still the man who, who need to decide where to go. But I can tell you that now, probably at today, most of uh, the riders know where they will be next year because the 80% of the options uh, finished in on the 31st of July. So the 1st of August, uh, the rider must be under contract with another team or the same team. So we don't know probably some a little part of uh, what was happening during the beginning of this week. Uh, what uh, would be really interesting. But for the announcement, I think that we'll still have to wait, unfortunately, a lot.
Yeah, it'd be interesting to see. There's some stuff that's going to come out soon, but we just got to wait for that to obviously happen before any of the teams officially announce it. So, but yeah, yeah, February, yeah. like you said, he's just, he said, if nothing happens to Prado, I'm just too far back, even though he's going to keep trying. Yeah. But yeah, you must give credit to Prado because he's just keeping yeah. the, you know, foot on the throat. He's not letting him get too much, even though he's obviously very confident getting five straight. He's not letting him sort of, you know, gap him anywhere near what he'd be expecting, like you said. So it's very interesting to see, mate. And, you know, just some words on Glenn Colden off and obviously we've got to talk about Hurlings' return. Great to see him out there. Always good to have him there. Uh, yeah, tough weekend for him. It mustn't be easy having missed that time. And, you know, it must still play on your mind a little bit with those neck injuries and not give you that full feeling that I can really go right balls to the wall kind of speed. But yeah, Glenn, four podiums in his last six. And it was interesting he said to you with the stomach issues how he ate a bit late. Uh, you know, usually Glenn that someone's got everything in a row and he's so yeah. professional and precise with everything from <laughs> training to diet to traveling to sleeping. So it was interesting, mate. And that little bit of edge he had where he got Jeremy in the qualifying race, he uh, he definitely knew that Jeremy wasn't happy about that one. Yeah, you know, when, when I asked him about uh, if uh, if Jeremy was uh, unhappy about that move, uh, the answer he, he gave uh, says a lot. Uh, uh, first of all, says a lot about next year to me, because uh, the fight is open. The fight for the third place is absolutely open. Uh, a few points only in between both. Uh, with now Fernandez uh, that he had a stop, one race stop, uh, is now a little bit more far away. So it's just a fight from two riders for the third place. Uh, yeah, five races are a lot. We are still uh, plenty of points to be given. Uh, so I agree on everything. 300 points are really a lot. But still, we have to consider that uh, without big mistakes or injuries, uh, the points are uh, now at the moment uh, always the same. Uh, so uh, for sure, Glenn wants really this third place to be the best Yamaha rider on track. Uh, it's something that uh, can have a, a huge weight uh, on the final decisions of the manufacturer at the end. And it's something that you can... Uh, spend easily when you are in a contract uh, uh, you are managing your contract you know discussions and everything you say yeah but I was the best Yamaha rider out there uh, you are talking about Jeremy Sewer but I was better you are talking about uh, Calvin Blander and yes a little bit younger than me but I was better uh, you are talking about you know so uh, it's something that he really wants and the way he said to me in answer uh, Jeremy probably is not happy today too says a lot because it's really the way he say and this says a lot as, as i told you says a lot about next year because they are talking like they are not any more teammates like uh, they're already in a different uh, situation and uh, like just adversaries you know so uh, this was happening in locket when uh, jeremy was passing uh, uh, glenn was happening again in, uh, in lommel was happening this weekend it's something that will happen uh, for the next five rounds if if nothing really strange happened this will be the light motive in between those those two riders because the fight for the third place is really important at the moment uh, he did a good race a good pace he was uh, able to to be there and to just in the first moto wasn't that brilliant compared to the second moto second moto was ex i was expecting somehow that he was able to put in trouble a little bit roman but it wasn't because of the nature of the track. For what concerns uh, Jeffrey, head off, 
Jeffrey was doing a superb, superb job. Uh, it was really fast since the beginning. It was the faster few times out of track. And uh, it was really just doing his job as he was competing in Lommel the previous race. In the moto, uh, you can see that uh, there's some little luck at the start, probably. Uh, once you're out for five weeks, there is, yeah, there is something mentally, you know, that is really difficult to manage. It never was a good starter, but after so long out of the the the, the starter, it was something difficult to manage with. Uh, then the kind of track wasn't really helping in uh, recovering with his speed, with his technique on the sand, because it wasn't really a sand track. Uh, uh, but in the second moto, was fighting for podium position uh, alongside with uh, with Koldenov, matching the speed of the first two riders, Prado and Fevre, and uh, doing better than uh, Seward and uh, other riders. So he's there. He will come back soon on the podium. Uh, it's possible also that he, 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 could, he can win uh, a GP before the end of the season again and going for 100, 104. Uh, race win because uh, he, he didn't lost uh, the speed he didn't lost uh, the stamina he didn't lost uh, uh, the feeling to be in front uh, he was a little bit lost if I can use this uh, joke of words uh, when he while he was behind far behind and the qualifying moto fighting with Forato was uh, fantastic uh, and it was uh, in the meantime fantastic to see him congratulate with Forato for his speed uh, and for the fact that he, he won for Ato, the, the, the personal fight in between uh, uh, him and, and Jeremy and uh, Jeffrey. So again, they this fight was, again. Uh, <laughs> yes, like this third or fourth time. Yes. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> it's incredible because few times was Alberto to win. Alberto had a fantastic first moto and a really bad second moto with the bad start and the crash. That wasn't easy. Uh, he regrouped after he was 21st, uh, already like in the middle of the moto and just come back to 17. It was the maximum he could do it, but it was really tough. And I think it was really tired at that moment after three races in a row. Uh, but he showed in the first moto that he is able to be there to fight with the, with the top riders. I really uh, can't wait to see him uh, uh, in next year uh, on another good bike, maybe the same, maybe another brand, I don't know, but I really hope that he will find a good deal for, for 2024 as he, he showed that he deserved really a good uh, good ride. Yeah, he's an awesome rider and he's another guy that's yeah. really cool to have in the series. He brings that little bit of something different, a bit of humour, a yes. bit of character, a lot of personality, mate. Sort of like quite engaging for the fans. It just needs to uh, need a bigger platform for him to maybe get some YouTube vlogs going because uh, he would definitely <laughs> be be a killer on that, mate. But yeah, just your yeah. thoughts on the HRC guys. Obviously, mixed weekend guys are still building back. Obviously, had a bit of an issue in one of the races there, but yeah, he's still building back solid. Just you know, focusing towards twenty twenty four. And Fernandez had a really horrible crash, so it looks like it wasn't any serious damage but it looked really bad for a second there you guys must have been very worried at the track because it was super bad wasn't it yeah honestly the, the entire paddock was really scared and uh, uh, everyone was concerned about that crash because it was looking so ugly so bad uh, that everyone was like oh my god what happened he wasn't moving for a while he was there uh, uh, then it was the end of the race so everyone went away and uh, everyone had, had this kind of feeling 
what happened we don't know what happened then I had the chance to to add um, a vocal message from Gary Boldy uh, that says that everything was okay no damage no damage at the shoulder no damage at the brain no damage and even though it wasn't knockout so uh he, he never lost his uh his head he was always conscious and he could even start in the second moto was i was waiting for but then when i saw he, he didn't came there i was talking with massimo castelli that was on the start and i asked him and he said no better not uh, as he wasn't feeling that that great it was a tough weekend for them for the hrc squad because uh they now after three days they start uh waiting something more from uh from uh, team uh team is just taking his time is uh, doing step by step it doesn't need to take any risk uh, to fight for nothing because uh, it doesn't have really to prove nothing to anybody uh but you can see that the lack of races the lack of starts uh, is there and he, he really needs to some time on the bike some time on on the in the race to uh, just uh, find uh, his path back and uh, uh, he, he will come back of course uh, strong that he was many they say in this occasion stronger than before it's difficult stronger because he was already really strong but yeah, he will find back his uh, uh, his way of riding his way of uh, being competitive on track I just hope that next year we will see Again, all the top riders there fighting for for the rest of time. I I hope that nobody will just you know succeed easily and nobody will uh, give up for an injury uh, too soon. I just hope that everyone is stay there till the end. Don't forget that soon, very soon, we will see again uh, Maxim Renault back in the fight. Maybe in Sweden. I don't know. It's possible, eh? Because it's. Uh, Already a few steps ahead of uh, Mattia Guadagnini, who could come back, uh, who, who will maybe come back in uh, Turkey, but he doesn't know because he's not uh, yet riding the motocross bike that is best. He's riding few enduro, uh, he's doing few enduro rides and stuff like that. But uh, no, um, Renault is already riding in Belgium, he's already riding with uh, uh, some of the most demanding track. So maybe, maybe. Uh, if it's not for uh, uh, the race in Udavala, it could be for the race in, uh, in Holland, what uh, is just a week after, and he's training in the sand, so it's possible that he will be ready for, uh, for that race. We don't expect from him to be there fighting for the podium, but it's important to, to see him back and to see another uh, uh, factory rider uh, on the field. Yeah, mate, well said. And just a couple more thoughts on MXGP as we're sort of running out of time. Uh, yeah, Valandrin consistent again, even though I had that little spill in the second one. Jeremy Van Horbeek, I believe he's going back into retirement for now. With Paul's Jones <laughs> coming back, he'll be racing in the ADAC on the weekend with Hurlings, which would be great to just see him back out there because he's such a cool character and, yeah, really great rider, you know, that he's can battle up there once he gets fit and firing and everything in a row. So it'll be good to see him back. And then Alvin Oslin, you know, I believe that's the team's first top 10 in MXGP. So yep. that's really cool. And then, yeah, Evan's rounding out the, the top 10 there, mate. So anything that sort of caught your eye there or you'd like to say a few words on? Yeah, of course, um, it's a pain, uh, really painful to see Jeremy Van Orebeck uh, going back in Naftalin uh, for uh, for a while as he's uh, on retirement, uh, like uh, 
uh, I don't know, an ex-rider. As uh, you see someone that is able to be there to fight for a top 10, say top 8, that was really the, his results was 8 every time he went on track. I was just, you know, uh, counting a little bit because it was interesting for me uh, to to understand really um, his season, uh, if we can talk about the season, because uh, we are now uh, the f- 14 GPs from uh, the beginning of the season. He did only four as a replacement rider. Uh, you know, the average of points uh, on... Uh, uh, for ride for uh, for races, uh, of course, uh, considering also the qualifying moto was twenty seven point five points. Uh, was is what is enormous if you count uh, that uh, his teammate Brian Bogers uh, did in the meantime uh, uh, an average of points that is fourteen half. Uh, I don't count the race where he was injured, uh, where he was not riding. I just count the race where he was riding. 14 compared to almost 28 uh, is the half. Uh, there is some problem. There is some trouble. There is some physical issue. That's for sure because Brian was able to win Lommel last year. Don't forget uh, when you put your name on the Lommel trophy, uh, doesn't matter who you are. You are a monster uh, always, you know. But still, uh, when someone comes and he was a retired rider uh, and he do much better than you, the double of points, average of points than you, you should consider that there is a problem. And the other guy maybe has to consider to find a ride for next season. Because uh, if I was a team manager, if I had the chance to pick a rider uh, without a, such a big uh, uh, probably budget, I will try to uh, have his telephone number and just to call him to say, ciao, Jeremy, uh, what are you doing next season? <laughs> you know, something like that. Yeah, that'll be interesting, mate. That's another sort of piece of the puzzle that we'll look for, you know, whether it does or doesn't happen in silly season, mate. Yeah, give you, you know. Yeah, it's, not, uh, it's, not a good, uh, it's not a good news for the young riders. I agree with yeah. you. It's not a good news for for Horgmo, for uh, Ron van der Mosdijk, for all the new riders that have to come up. I don't uh, have already a place like Iago Gerzev for next season. But still, I will just take a look and say what he wants to do for next season. <laughs> what are his plans? Yeah, obviously you look at a guy with, you know, Jan Panzer, he'll probably be coming up, but on maybe that privateer setup as well, which will be interesting to see how he goes. But yeah, anything else on silly season before we wrap it up, mate? You got anything you want to share or it's kind of just wait and see at the moment, isn't it? I think that uh, as much as it was interesting, uh, um, Lommel, where all the managers were there, all the riders were there, all the team managers were there, many uh, representative of manufacturer were there and a lot of noises and rumors uh, was going around. Finland was quiet. Like Finland can be, only Finland can be so quiet. Light till 11 o'clock p.m. Starting light at 3, p- 3 a.m. in the morning. Forest, uh, silent forest, uh, little wind, some rain. But everything was so silent, uh, like it was almost noisy. 
Yeah, that sort of sums it up, mate. Yeah, but uh, yeah, cheers for joining yep. us again. We definitely appreciate it. Before we let you go, we'll just thank the sponsors in AS3 Performance Parts, the home of aftermarket motocross and enduro parts, from hardware and protection parts, including skid plates and radiator racers, performance cooling parts, including silicon radiator hoses and oversized impeller kits. AS3 also have a huge range of Blake, crutch and gear levers, all with different features and adjustability. Check them out online at as3performance.co.uk. And obviously Kawasaki Motors, who have been getting plenty of coverage on these podcasts for sure, mate. They'd be loving it. <laughs> Pleased to announce yep. the arrival of the KLX 140R range. The easy-to-ride KLX 140R lineup offers a 144cc engine, plus suspension and push-button electric start, making for great trailblazers. The machines come in three different sizes, ranging from juniors, first tentative steps to pushing the door wide open on adult riding. The highly regarded KLX 140R range is ready and willing to add fun and enjoyment in 2023. Contact your local off-road dealership for more information. Thanks again, Lorenzo, mate, and definitely enjoy the weekend off. You've earned it, and, uh, yeah, we'll look forward to speaking soon. Maybe we might do a Motocross a Nation silly season crossover special uh, recap, just that sort of thing next week. It'll be pretty cool if you can. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm so, uh, like, uh, uh, I don't know, uh, feeling light uh, because I don't have to give you the, 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 the quotes for for yeah. the next race, uh, as you always ask me, prediction for the next race, and this time is a free weekend. I don't have to say who will be on the podium in MXGP MX2. So I'm really feeling really light, really happy. No, I'm joking, but uh, no, it was a really interesting weekend. Uh, I hope that everyone will enjoy the free weekend. We are not Formula One. We are not MotoGP. We're not doing four or five weeks of stop. Don't be afraid. In a week time, we will be back with another fantastic race. This is MXGP. Yeah, mate. Cheers. Thanks again for joining us. I look forward to speaking soon. Yeah, me too. Ciao, Ed.